Praise the Lord, everybody. He alone is worthy. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord. One more time. That's what they that's what they always that's what the old time is saying. One more time. You know why they say that, young people? 
Because tomorrow is not promised unto you. And the next time is not promised unto you. So the old timer says it's good to be together again one more time. Because you don't know if there will be another time. We take for granted all the time that there will be another time. But you never know. Amen. But so good to see everyone. Good to be here tonight. And um, time to study the word of God. Time to study the word of God. Hallelujah. God is great and greatly to be praised. Thank you, Jesus. If you can, let's stand together. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer. Hallelujah. Obviously, before you get started, there's always different things that you feel the Lord will put on your heart. And... um, Leading up to whatever it is that we're going to do, whether it's Bible study or worship service. And the Lord will lead you to certain things. And there's a few things that I feel like the Lord has put on my heart. And here's the here's a passage of scripture that I want to share with you. Luke chapter 16, verse number 8. Luke chapter 16 Verse number eight says, and the Lord commanded the unjust, look at that word, he commanded, I'm sorry, he commended, and the Lord commended, complimented, the Lord complimented the unjust steward. When, when it says unjust, it means this is, pers- this is a person that's unrighteous, but the Lord com- commended that unrighteous steward because he had done wisely and then he went on to say for the children of the world are in their generation wiser than the children of light that's the word of God the Lord watched this unjust servant this ungodly servant operated in a wise a wise worldly fashion and say wow now that guy he's operating in his world in a wise fashion in his world not in the kingdom in his world he's operating in a wise fashion and the Lord went on to say for the children of the world are in their generation wiser than the children of light why did I bring that to your attention I brought it to your attention because I feel like, and I feel like I see it often, that as the church, the people of God, seem like we do a whole lot of listening and hearing, and we don't do anything with it. And the people that are not saved, not living for God. They don't just eat up information and just sit on it. They do it because they're going to do something about it. And so that's a big area of what that scripture is talking about, about the children of the world, the unjust children of the world in their generation are wiser than the children of light. That's what it's talking about, a lot of it. It's saying those people in the world, 
their principles, what they believe in, what they model, what they're trying to do, they do it. What are the children of God doing? Just sitting back. Keep on thinking that God is our genie in the bottle. And we pull the string and he does. It's not wise. And, and, and we're doing ourselves a disservice by just watching and listening and doing nothing. Because that's not what the children of this world is doing. They're figuring out everything. You see how we've been with the coronavirus? I mean, I drove past Applebee's some weeks ago. They was on one side of the parking lot trying to make it happen. Drove past it a few more days after they went on the other side of the parking lot trying to make it happen. Put the tent up. Okay, not too bad. Then I'm driving past again today. Lights are going up. They're putting in now, you know, you know, parts of um, what is it? You might as well call it walls. We know it's not walls, but, you know, curtains that would avoid the splashing in of the rain. They knew it were going to rain. So they get lights in there. They put curtains up on the side so the water wouldn't splash in when rainfall because they're doing something about being stuck and can't make any money. They're doing something about it. They're not just listening to it. They're not just, they're doing something about it. They're saying, we're not going to go under. We're going to make some money. We're going to do what we do. They're doing something. That's just one example of so many. What are we doing? What are we doing? Just hearing it, that's cool. What are we doing with it? So let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight. See if the Lord can challenge you in your spirit to say, what are you doing with it? Are you going to allow the children of this world to be wiser than you in your world, in the kingdom of God, when you have access to the all-powerful God? They don't have access to the all-powerful God. They're just doing it all in their intellect, in their all, and they're just doing it all in their mind, in their, in their understanding. They're not doing it with the, with the assistance of God. So let's ask God tonight to help us. Let me tell you, good things will catch on. And if just us that are in here tonight and that are streaming um, Bible study tonight, if all of us that are a part of this Bible study tonight here present and those of you that are streaming, if all of us will say, I'm going to do something. Forget about who else is around. Forget about the next person, what title they have, how much they know, how long they've been in church. I don't care about that. You just make a commitment to yourself that you're going to do something. That when I get this word, I am going to take it and do something with it. You just make that commitment to God tonight and just ask God to help you so you can do it and do it. Let's pray and ask the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we're... Oh, God, thankful for the privilege to call upon your great, majestic name, your sovereign name, your heavenly name, the most powerful name, the name of Jesus. Oh, God, we worship and adore you, honor you, Lord God. We praise your holy name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, you are God Almighty. Jesus, 
There is none like you. Jesus, we worship you, we adore you, and we honor you tonight. Have your way in our Bible study tonight, Lord God. We humble ourselves before you. We yield ourselves. We submit to you, Lord God, to say, not our will, but thine will be done. God, we're calling upon you tonight, Lord, for we realize we've sinned and come short of your glory. We realize, almighty God, we've underachieved in what you've called us to do. Our purpose in you, we realize, Lord, we've underachieved, Lord God. And Lord, we're asking that you will forgive us, Lord God, for being slothful. Forgive us, Almighty God, for not doing your will. Forgive us, Almighty God, for just going about things, oh God, our own way and not doing what you want us to do. Tonight, Lord Jesus, I pray that your spirit will take hold of us in a way you have not taken hold of us. We're giving you the preeminence, Lord God, over our life to reign and rule and do what you want to do. Father, I want the word of God that I hear tonight, that it will go in my heart, that it will take root and move me into action, Lord God, and move me, oh God, into being a doer. It's not good enough, Lord God, just to have the information. It's not good enough, oh God, just to know what the word of God says. But, oh my God, we must take what we know and do something with it. I ask you tonight, Lord God, to, to, to transmit to us wisdom from heaven, Lord God. We need the wisdom of God. We need the wisdom of God. Oh God, to do what the knowledge of God has given us in the name of Jesus Christ. Impart, if you will, Lord, your wisdom tonight upon every one of us that are in this house, that are joining in us by live stream, Lord God. Impart your wisdom, Lord, that the will of God may be done in us individually and collectively, oh God. Will you have your way tonight, Lord Jesus? Oh God, have your way in our heart. Have your way in our thought. Will you use us, oh God? Will your people call by your name? Will you do a work in us? Will you use us, Lord? Will you burden us, oh God, with purpose from heaven? Have your way tonight, Lord. Let the anointing of the Lord flow freely upon me to teach your word in the way you will have me to. Touch our hearing and we will hear it as the Spirit reveals it to us, O oh God. Oh, Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the privilege to serve you, O oh God. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Can somebody just clap their hands unto the Lord? And say in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 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 I have to tell you, I worry a lot about some of us that are familiar with Christendom. I'm worried about that. And I know sometimes in time, some of us get it in time. It works out in time. It turned out to be well. But I worry about the ones, and that's why 
I've been teaching about holiness. I worry about those of us who feels like we're okay when we're really not okay. I'm worried about that. I'm concerned about that, that we can feel like we're okay when we're not okay. And I, I pray to God that's not the situation. That's not the case. But I worry. I don't want it to be that way. We need to we need to truly, truly understand. We got to know this thing. We can't we can't just deceive ourselves. We got to know this thing. And so don't be the ones to think that it's okay. This is why I teach the way I teach and preach the way that I preach, because I'm never going to just settle when I really don't know. I just got to go a little bit more above and beyond because I really don't know. We haven't had anyone that went to heaven and lived in heaven for a while and enjoyed heaven for a while and then came back to earth. We haven't met that person. So we just need to do everything we can. Remember, we can OD with each other. We will never OD with Jesus Christ. The Lord will never tell you you pray too much. The Lord will never tell you you're too holy. The Lord will never tell you you're too righteous. The Lord will never tell you you're too faithful, you're too committed. He will never tell you that. But somehow we always try to do just enough. But the bottom line is the Lord will not tell us that, hey, you know, you're doing too much there. Slow down. He won't do it. If, if we're doing things that is not what he wants us to do. He, he will intervene and redirect us. But the bottom line, he won't tell us we're doing too much. So it's okay to do a whole lot. It's, it's okay to go above and beyond and not worry about it and not try to just to get by. I'm not trying just to get by to get to heaven. I mean, I want to walk in. I want to I enjoy heaven. I'm serious. I, I want to get in there. I don't want to just slip in heaven. I want to I make my way in, man. And I pray to God that you and I will not just try to do just enough. Just enough may not be good enough. That was a message I preached before. <laughs> just enough may not be good enough. Because just enough really comes down to what you want it to be. You may be seated wherever you are. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us via live stream. I want to um, I want to mention a couple of things before we get into the word of the Lord before I forget. This Saturday at 9:30 we have outreach. If you'd like to outreach with us, please join us. We will be here at 9:30 a.m. So, if you'd like to be a part of the outreach, we'd love for you to be a part of it. Come and join us. Amen. It's an experience that if you get to experience it, it will make you see people differently. When, when you get out and you start to tell people about Christ, you start seeing people differently because you start respecting the effort that goes into reaching the loss. And when you understand the effort that go into reaching the loss, you, you try your best to love everybody and treat them good, as, as good as possible and with the love of God because you realize that it's a lot of work. To, that goes into discipling people. So 9.30 this Saturday. This Sunday, we will do special offering. We haven't done special offering in a minute here, so let's do our special offering this Sunday. So AV, prepare. You all come prepared to give a special offering. Amen. And 
I also want to make this announcement that uh, Tuesday, August the 4th, Tuesday, August the 4th at 7 p.m., we will have a Zoom family meeting for our church. Tuesday, August the 4th at 7 p.m., we will have a Zoom family meeting for our congregation. What does that mean, preacher? It means that we just need to touch base with everyone. And since we're a family, a church family, we want to be able to see each other's face. Uh, we just want to touch base, connect, just laugh and talk and make sure everybody is good. It won't be anything formal. Uh, if you want to share anything that's going on, you want to update anything, anybody had any babies or anything like that, you know, we'll just touch base. So Tuesday, August the 4th at 7 p.m., what I would like for you to do is we need to have a current phone list of everyone's phone number. We need a current phone list because I realize everyone do not check their emails. And so email are getting to be like snail mail. And so people sometimes check in with they, their email a couple of days after. So we realize that text message is the best way to inform you. So in order for you to get a text message, we need your phone number. So the best way to give us your phone number, if you don't think we have a good phone number for you, go to ChristCenteredOnline.com. ChristCenteredOnline.com. Scroll to the bottom of the website page, and it says, send us a message. Scroll to the bottom of the website page. It says, send us a message, and you can put your name in there and just put your message in with your updated phone number. We get that, then we can send you out the Zoom link that you are able to connect with the meeting on Tuesday, August the 4th at 7 p.m. We will also send you instructions how to download the Zoom app if you don't have it. And if you need, uh, what do they call it in corporate America? If you need um, tech support, that's what we call it in corporate America. If you need tech support, just send us a message and we'll have a, a, a technical individual reach out to you to let you know how you can operate your Zoom. The only thing I'm going to promise you is don't wait till the same day because then everybody is trying to get on that can't get on. And now we have a big problem. Download the Zoom app way before Tuesday, August the 4th. And if you're struggling, then we'll have our tech individual to reach out to you. And help you with that download. And so by the 4th, you should be ready to go. And so at 7 p.m., we'll all get in on the family meeting. It's like family dinner. If you want to eat while you're on, just eat just as long as, well, we'll put you on mute. Or you put yourself on mute if you eat loud. But it's not formal. It's very informal. But we need to touch base with everyone so we can see each other's face. Make sense? Spread the word. Let everyone know that we want to do that. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, something, I, something else I want to mention to you within the lines of what um, I've been talking to you about tonight, about the children of the light, or, or should I say children of the world, and um, how they're wise in their own way. And um, leaving us behind, they're supposed to be the children of the light. Um, today was a very, 
um, interesting day for me because I did something for the first time today. Never did it before because <laughs> I was never allowed to do it before. But today I had my first what we call general board meeting. Today was my first general board meeting. The general board in the United Pentecostal Church International is the highest board in our organization. They make the decisions for how the organization will go, what we're trying to accomplish, and all of that good stuff. So when I got elected in our district superintendent, um, you got about 100 emails saying, welcome to the general board, and you're saying, okay, something is going on here, because why does everyone greet you and say, welcome to the general board? Like, something is going on here. Something must be up with the general board, right? So today I got my first taste of the general board. So we had a general board meeting on Zoom today with, of course, our bishop and superintendent, uh, general superintendent David Bernard being the chair. And um, as always, he kills it. Love how he leads. And so we had a great meeting today and um, general conference. Um, what we discussed today was um, that general conference will be done virtually and not in person. And so we're going through all the logistics now to make sure um, it will be a great conference because we're going to have to do business session um, virtually. We're going to have to do the preaching virtually. Everything will be done virtually. And so it's going to be the first time we're doing something like this. And so it's very interesting. But that was the decision that was made today. It was funny. While we made those decisions, um, one of the questions that were asked is, how soon can we let everyone know? And Brother Bernard said, in these times that we're living, and I'm sure somebody knows right now. <laughs> It's different these days than it was, you know, 20 years ago when the general board meeting have a uh, general board have a meeting and then no one knows probably for days or weeks and they can hide it. Can't hide anything anymore. This is why as people, as pastor, whatever, we better be as transparent as possible because you can't hide anything. That's what's just what's going on in our world. You got to accept it. Nothing is hidden anymore. Just live out your life the best way you can in Christ and not worry about it because everything is just right there for you. And, and it's going on. But I thought about this uh, being a part of the general board. I said it's a, it's a great privilege. It's a wonderful privilege to be a part of the general board. Uh, it's an honor. And this has been around uh, this year. The United Pentecostal Church International, the organization, is celebrating 75 years of existence. And so for 75 years, they've been holding these meetings and great men of God has, has been leading these meetings and great things has happened. And it hit me today that, again, what I'm telling you, it's not about how much information you have. Because everyone that's a part of that general board is getting all the information. We all have the same information. It's about what do you do with that information. So that's why this is my crawl about what are you doing with the information? Are you just stagnant? Are you, what, are you, what are you doing? I got a lot of information, and it will mad me if I don't get it out. I'm trying to do my mess to get out as much information that I have in me before I get out of here, one way or another. And I hope that we all are trying to do that, that whatever God equips you with, you're trying to do your best to get it out to do something with it because he didn't equip you with it to just be like, you know what I know? Let me tell you what I know. What good is that? And unfortunately, just like on the general board, just like in the church leadership, just like in regular leadership, 
people have different agendas on any board or any leadership structure that you that you bring into play. People have different agendas. Some people are just want to be there to say, look at me. Some people just want to be there so they can hear the gossip. Some, everybody has different agendas for being a part of any leadership structure or any board. Some are there for the, for the true reasons why you should be there. But there's other people with different motives. Don't let yourself get caught, whether it's in the church, whether it's in church leadership, whether it's at your job, wherever you are. Got to let your light shine. Got to do something about it because God has equipped you and he want to reap from what he has equipped you with. Do something with it. Don't sit on it. Matthew, do something with it. Hallelujah. Let's move it. <laughs> um, we, we shared a lot of things about um, holiness. We've been talking about holiness for the past three weeks. Today is our fourth week on holiness. And I've been laying the foundation on when I'm done with this lesson, if you would like for me to email it to you, I will email it to you because I'm not going to finish everything about this lesson. This lesson talks about every single thing you've ever heard about concerning holiness. I'm not going to get to every single detail. If I do, I will be here probably for 10 weeks. And you don't want to hear about holiness for 10 weeks. But if you would like the notes, I will send it to you when I'm done teaching it so you can review it and go through things that you need to look at to see what holiness is all about. And this is all biblical. Nothing that I'm teaching you about this holiness is man's idea. It's all biblical. It is, it is in scripturally sound. So tonight we're going to talk about the apparel question. The apparel question. We've been talking a lot about laying the groundwork, the foundation. Uh, you know, I can, I can just put this all into one little sentence dealing with holiness. And that is, I will do anything for Jesus. There's a, there's a lot of things that we can say about holiness, but holiness just comes down to deal with how much do you love the Lord Jesus to be sure you do everything he wants you to do or to go above and beyond what he's asking you to do, because that's what it comes down to your love for him. And he certainly has shown his love for you. So whatever we're going through as we read it, you have to read it from the perspective of your love for him. If you read it as rules, you're going to be in trouble because you read it as rules in your mind. Why we got to do all of this? You ain't got to do all this to be saved. That's still idiotic because you have, you've never got to heaven. So you don't know what needs to be done to get there because a lot of people we might think that are in heaven may not be in heaven. A lot of people that we think may be in heaven may not be in heaven. So you don't know what it takes to get in heaven. So when you start to say why we got to do all of this stuff, be careful. Be careful, because remember what I told you, I've heard it years ago. Sometimes what the Bible is teaching you to do and your pastor will reiterate it, you might look at it as, I don't see the importance of that. Always remember this. Don't take everything that you receive from the word of God at face value. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, there's a whole lot behind what that really means. And you, because you don't know it, you, you think that 
It's just just face value. Take it at face value. And I'm telling you, there's things that, you know, especially I give my I give the older generation a hard time on this. I love the older generation. You know, I love them and I love to spend time with them and talk to them. But here's what I give them a hard time about. They weren't good explainers. They will scare you into doing stuff. They will tell you not to do stuff and they will just scare the daylight out of you for not doing it. They will never explain it, chop it up, chop it down and say, here is why. They never give you that. They just listen to me. And they did that for many years. And so now, finally, the generation have arrived that says, I'm not just listening to you. I need to understand why I need to do this, because if it's not something smart and intelligent, I'm not doing it. And for the generation, the older generation that kept saying, well, if you don't listen to me, this is what's going to happen to you. They, they were right, but they still never explained it. And so I'm telling you, it's still right, but I'm going to explain it to you. And a lot of things that you think that it's, you're taking as face value to say, well, what's the big deal? You don't understand all the layers behind it, that if you don't do it, it's going to cause this to happen. And because you didn't do it and that happened, something else happened. Before you know it, you find yourself in a bad spot because of this one simple thing you thought wasn't a big deal. One simple thing you thought wasn't a big deal, you find yourself in a challenging position and then you say, how did I get here? Remember this, church, when someone backslid from God, they didn't do it in one day. They didn't wake up and just backslid. That's not what they did. They didn't just wake up and say, I'm done with just following the teachings of Jesus Christ. No, it was happening in their life for weeks and months and probably even years. And their heart was not in it, but they kept showing up. They kept going through the motions, but their heart was never in it. And then finally, because nothing is inside of them anymore, because they just wasn't keeping up and wasn't digesting anything, they finally just cut away. And you think the day that they decide that they weren't coming back to church, you think that, I can't believe, no, 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 no. That happened weeks, months, years ago. They just finally decide, you just won't see me. It's like us dying. Physically. Dying physically, you just don't wake up today and then all of a sudden you take sick and they said, you at stage four. Stage four doesn't just pop up and you stage four and dead. Stage four was in there somewhere. The cancer cell got out of control. And eventually it was doing, you just didn't get anything checked. Or the doctors didn't find it. But it was always there doing damage. And then all of a sudden you're so sick now that you're almost, but you didn't wake up. One day sick and you died. So the bottom line is things take time. So you got to respect everything the word of God has to say and respect what the man of God that God placed in your life say. Listen, because God will tell you things that you don't understand. Remember what I said, that the prophet told Naaman to go dip in the Jordan and Naaman was like, you're out of your mind. Do you know who I am? I'm a king and you want me to go dip in that dirty Jordan River? I am not doing that. Okay, it sounded foolish. Maybe most of us, if we weren't, you know, spiritual and we had authority, we would have said, I'm not doing that either. Well, he stayed with leprosy. Leprosy stuck with him until finally he realized the leprosy wasn't going anywhere. Then he was ready to do something foolish in his mind anyway. He was ready to do something foolish. 
And when he did what he thought was foolish, got healed. So dipping in the Jordan River to get healed might not make a whole lot of sense. And what I'm teaching you for the past three weeks and tonight, it may not make a lot of sense to you. But the smart thing to do as a Christian, it says, I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey it anyway. Remember what I told you? I learned this a long time ago. Secret. Secret. Learned a long time ago. The man of God can give you wrong instructions, but God will take care of you when you obey it because you are the innocent party. So I can be wrong. I can say something that might not be right. But because you are dead set on obeying God, which is what God says, obey them that have the rule. That's what God said. And you saying, I'm just going to listen to what God says. And so if the man of God says that, that's what I'm going to do. And God blesses you because that's what you did. You did it on the strength of God, not on the strength of the man. This is not as difficult as we make it out to be. Living for God is not as difficult as we make it out to be. But because our desire is so strong in our life, the things we like and the things we want to do, it always gets the best of us, our desire. All right. The apparel question. Deuteronomy 22.5. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. So people have their ways of chopping this thing up because, again, it's not something they want to do. I'm not going to spend time to talk about all the different ways people try to talk about this, because once you decide that you're not going to live up to the word of God, you have to, in order to stay in your right mind, so you think anyway, you have to come up with an alternative as to why you're not doing it. You have to come up with an alternative as to why you're not doing it. Why does the Bible have more external standards? We talked about this last week. Why does the Bible have more external standards for women than for men? Why? God created men and women differently. It's just that simple. God created men and women differently. So the standards of holiness for women is different than the standards of holiness for men. Amen? All right. Men are stimulated by sight, Josiah. I heard Josiah had a conversation with his mom about this. Men are stimulated by sight. Mom, this is why Jesus said, whosoever look it on a woman to lust after her had committed adultery, keywords, with her. So she's a part of it already in his heart. Notice that Jesus did not say, whosoever look it on a man. Now, that doesn't mean because, it, 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 this is not because it wouldn't be a sin for a woman to visually lust. After a man, because a woman can look at a man and lust. But what we're saying is men are more prone to look and lust than women look and lust. I'm not telling you women don't look and say, oh, look at this chest, girl. Look how he walk. I'm not telling you they don't say that. I'm telling you men are more prone to do this and look. And be pulled in by their lust. Then a woman will. Amen. 
Mm-hmm. We read in the scripture of the attire of a harlot, but never the attire of a whoremonger. Whoremonger usually men. So you will read about the attire of the woman that's a harlot, how she dress, how she look, what she wear. And so we will read things about what a harlot looked like, but we never read about what a whoremonger looked like. Mm -hmm. Women, not men, are warned especially of this sin in the scripture. Now look at 1 Timothy 2 and 9 and 10. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. This is not because men cannot sin in the way they dress. Yes, men, you can wear your tight shorts so you can show your life, your nice legs. You can wear your tank top so so you can show your muscles so men can do those things. And so I guess I'm saying at the same time without saying it that men, when you're walking around showing your muscles and show and wearing around your tight pants and all of that stuff, you are now doing the same thing that a woman does when she wear her stuff tight or however she shows her body. You're doing the same thing. You're no different from her. So that's why a man shouldn't dress any old kind of way showing up himself. Because then now he brings temptation in the equation for the woman. Mm -hmm. Why, we talked about this, why do fallen or backslidden women have an innate desire to entice men in the way they appear? Mm -hmm. It's innate to, to... for women to dress a certain way to entice men. Trust me, it's innate. You don't want me to go there. I can't even say it. What I, what, what I, what, what I'm telling you, I know it's innate. Ten years ago, I probably didn't know. But I know now. They like to get dressed and they want the approval from the man. Whether you say it out loud or you're not saying it out loud, you want the approval when you get dressed, lady. Mm -hmm. Because they instinctively know that men are attracted by sight, they're always dressing to attract the men. Women, on the other hand, are stimulated, as we said, by touch, either physical or emotional. But they intuitively realize they cannot get a man to touch them unless they first appeal to him visually. So that's the game that's being played. Men want to touch and women want to be touched. It's just life. It's the way God created us. No need to act like it don't exist. The quicker you will just be honest about it, truthful about it, the better off you'll be. Told y'all I've been walking in the Holy Ghost these, these last few days. Let me even tell you this. Some women 
might don't want you to touch, but they want you to touch. What does that mean? And this is not going into the, the areas that's, you know, immoral and ungodly. What do you mean, preacher? Meaning you recognize that if you get touched, you might fall into a situation that's not good for you. So what you do? Don't touch me. But you really want to be touched. So that don't disqualify. So, so, so for you to sit and think that, well, I don't want nobody touching me. Not true. You're just at the place where you realize I'm not getting myself caught up because if I allow anybody to touch me, it might take me in the wrong direction. So I'm going to guard myself to make sure nobody touch me. So it don't mean you don't want to be touched. So don't lie to yourself. Oh, I don't need nobody to touch me. Lying. You're just trying to protect yourself. Because you don't want to be falling for nobody where you feel like, oh, my goodness, now I'm in this situation all because I allowed this person to touch me. Women want to be touched and men want to touch them. That's life, not some strange thing. <laughs> I got somebody preaching with me tonight. Amen. So the Thomas preaching with me tonight. <laughs> That is why Paul gives this command regarding women. It is good for man not to touch a woman. That's 1 Corinthians 7 and 1. A man should not touch a woman. It's not good. Godly men must refrain from touching physically or emotionally, even when a woman tries to entice him visually. While a woman is commanded to appear a certain way so that the man is not stimulated, the man is commanded to act a certain way so that the woman is not stimulated. So both are commandments. I am telling you, ladies, I've heard ladies over the years say this, and you're wrong. You can say it and you can keep on saying it, but you're wrong for saying it's not my issue. It's not my situation if he can't handle himself. You're wrong. I will rephrase that for you and tell you what you're saying. What you're saying is, I don't really care if he's saved or not. That's his business. That's what you're saying when you feel like I can wear whatever I want, look however I want. That's my business. And if he want to lust after me, that's his business. You're wrong. And when you act like that, what you're saying is you don't care about another person's soul. When you don't care about another person's soul, your soul is in jeopardy. It's just that simple. When you don't care about another person's soul, your soul is in jeopardy. So as a woman, if you walk around and you feel like I'm going to look the way I want to look, dress the way I want to dress. And if that poor old man has just got problems, because, you know, we got to make it look real bad now. If he's got problems, that's his business. And if he want to less after me, that's his business. But that have nothing to do with me. That's what women normally say. And all I'm going to tell you, you... Child of God, woman, you are. You have now made the statement that you don't care whether that man is saved or not. And any one of us, man, woman, anybody, walk around like you don't care whether someone is saved or not. Your soul is in jeopardy. Because what you wish for someone, it will happen to you. That is why there are more external standards for women. The additional rules for appearance are for the lady's own protection to protect her from the lust 
of men. First Samuel 16, 7. The word of the Lord says, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance <laughs> or on the height of his stature, because I refuse him. Listen to me carefully. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. Man looketh on the outward. This is the Lord telling his prophet Samuel this. If you know the scripture, this is the Lord telling his prophet. Samuel went to go choose the next king of Israel. King David is who he went to go choose, right? And he went to um, King David's dad's house to choose one of the brothers. And he's there, uh, uh, Samuel is there, and he's looking at all the brothers. And, and he's looking, and they all look good and tall, and all of them look handsome. And, they're, and, he's, and he's trying to say, Lord, is it this one? Nope. Lord, is it this one? And, he go, and then finally, he ran out of sons. And then he said, well, Lord, what's going on? And then he finally said to the dad, is there another son? He says, yes, he's out taking care of the sheep. His name is David. He said, go get him. And when he came, that's the one. But if it was left up to Samuel, Samuel would, would have chose one of the sons that he looked on the outside and said, oh, he looks like a king. So God is trying to teach us that men look on the outward. Men look at the outward, what they see. We can deny it all we want, but that's the word of God. Mm -hmm. Does it matter how we appear on the outside if God looks on the heart? Absolutely, yes. God is concerned about how we look on the outside as well as on the inside. Obviously, our outward appearance is a form of communication to others. We can lie all we want. Listen. Can I tell you a little secret? Sometimes, especially this lesson, I find myself saying, why am I teaching this? Because some things to me, and I'm not the most spiritual person, I don't know everything about the Bible, but some things to me are so elementary. I'm not lying to you. I'm like, let me give you an example. Who in here will go to interview in sneakers and jeans and T-shirt? He won't. He's not crazy. Who in here go to court when they know they're in trouble in ripped up jeans, flip flops, and a tank top? This is what I mean by things are elementary, Ethan. We know that if we want to make a good impression on the judge, got to get suited and booted, as they like to say. We know if we're trying to make a good impression on getting that job, we got to get suited and booted. But yet and still, we want to act like appearance, outward apparel don't matter. Come on, man. I got to be honest with you. These are some of the things I think about sometimes. I'm like, why am I even teaching this? Why, why people need? We should know these things. But then I got to reel myself back in and say, shut up, Wayne. Go teach what the Lord tell you to teach and make sure you Teach the people the right way so they know. If they don't know, you teach the word of God so they will know. But I'm just telling you my struggle within because some of these things to me seems elementary. Elementary. 
I'm never going to a job interview looking any kind of way. I'm trying to impress them. I want when I show up, they say, who's that guy? Right? But all of a sudden, we get saved and we're not trying to impress nobody. Yeah, okay. Okay. The subject of holiness in dress is sensitive because it touches what many people treasure the most. Their pride. You've heard me say this before. And I'll continue to tell you, sin is sin, but the worst sin that you can commit is pride, being prideful. Why? Because that's what the devil committed. And remember, he was the first one that ever sinned. The devil was the first one that ever sinned. And he sinned because of pride. So when you find pride operating in you, you better get rid of that thing as quick as you can, because now you and the, you and the devil is rolling. You and the devil are rolling because that's what got him kicked out of heaven, pride. So you don't want pride to operate in your life. It puts you in a whole lot of trouble. And when we are being told that we need to look holy on the outside as well as on the inside and we have issues with it, I hate to break the news to you. Newsflash. Pride is operating someplace. Because what it really means is I'm going to look the way I want to. Don't tell me how to look. I'm going to look the way I want to. That's prideful. If you're a child of God. Now, if you're operating on your own, then that's cool. But if you're living for God and you think you can just do whatever you want. What we wear is very much a part of who we are. Our clothes reveal not only our social and economic level, but also our moral values. What we wear reveal what we want the world to believe or admire about us. Even if your attire is raggedy or without care, you are sending a message. People who adorn their bodies with eye-catching cosmetics, jewelry, and clothing are seeking for love, attention, and acceptance from others. When they become a Christian and discover that God accepts them as they are in their natural beauty, they gradually lose this desire to decorate their bodies as they recognize that what Jesus loves most about them is the inward adorning of the heart. They willingly follow the simplicity of Jesus's lifestyle, even in their clothes and appearance. Listen, man, I'm not going to play psychologist on you tonight. But the statement I just read to you, accurate as accurate can be. Don't 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 be mad about it. You know, we pay money and we go and sit in the in, in, in the couch with a therapist and we let them talk to us. And we believe it's, it's going to help us. And I, I, I'm okay with therapists. I, I'm, I'm not telling you it's, not, it's something wrong with that. But just don't sit with the therapist and you want, even your friends, that's not a professional. You sit with your friends and y'all talk and exchange dialogue and everything like that. And you feel better about what you're going on. And then the word of God come to you about something that you're not comfortable with. And now you blow it off and treat it like it's not legit. When we sit with therapists and we sit with our friends who are they compared to God? The, if the external holiness in dress is not developing in the life of a believer, 
then immaturity, a worldly spirit, or incorrect teaching is to be blamed. I'll say that again. If external holiness in dress is not developing in the life of a believer, then immaturity, a worldly spirit, or incorrect teaching is to be blamed. The concern of most churches is to teach people how to become a Christian, how to be born again, while not teaching them how to live as a Christian. And so there's a lot of churches and teachers and preachers that have dropped the ball on that. We're trying to get you saved, but not telling you how to live saved. Not good. You got to teach the whole Bible. Can't teach some of it. Got to teach all of it. As a result, there are many sincere believers who are sincerely doing what is wrong before God. Do you understand that we can be sincere and be sincerely wrong? Now, here is where you're going to have trouble, though. God is so good. I know this has happened to me, so you can't lie to me and tell me this has not happened to you. You can tell when there's something that you are not doing that you're supposed to do or something that you need to stop doing that you are doing. And then the word of God come to you and you know it's speaking to you. I've had it many times happen to me. Word of God, the word coming. I'm like, ooh, that's me. Ooh, that's me. And if I'm experiencing it, and we got a couple more people that are experiencing it, then every one of us experience that. So now it comes down to you knew the word of God spoke to you, but you decided that you're still continuing to live it the way you want to live it. That's where you put yourself in trouble. Because now God has a problem with you. Because now uh, the, the, the teacher's off the hook. I'm getting myself off the hook. That's why I'm teaching this. <laughs> Get myself off the hook. You won't be going around here talking about, yeah, our pastor never said anything about that. <laughs> Get myself off the hook, baby. Because I don't like teaching this because I just told you what I think about it. I think it's elementary. I think we should really know just be holy. No issues. I love God. What do you want me to do, Jesus? But that that's not realistic. And so the bottom line is, I'm teaching this. The Lord wants me to teach this, and I'm going to get myself off the hook, and you can decide what you want to do. Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou has rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. Many ministers preach Jesus accept you no matter how you live or what you wear. That message is true, but incomplete. Jesus will accept you no matter what you, how you live or what you wear. But it's incomplete because he will not leave you there. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus initially accepts us as we are, but he will also subsequently empower us to become what we ought to be. 
We got to become who Jesus wants us to become. All of us want to be who we want. Who you want to be will not get you to heaven. It's only what Jesus wants you to be, who he designed you to be, will get you to heaven. So we have to really ask ourselves, do I really want to get to heaven because I can't get to heaven by being who I want to be because I never rose from the grave. I never ascended there. So how else am I going to get there? I got to get with the one that died and rose from the grave and moved around and kept doing some things. And then after a while he ascended, that's the one I need to connect with. He has done it. We all know that. If you're trying to do something, the best thing to do is to connect with someone that has already done it. You want to get it done? Get with someone that's already done it. And this is why these days my elders are so important to me. They have already done it. I like to listen to them when they tell you some stories about some things that have happened. They already did it. And so some of the things I'm experiencing now in the natural, my elders already experienced it. I love to hear from them of what, how they saw it as they were going through it. And now that they've gone through it, what are they thinking now? That's what we need to be interested in. I don't know what, what's wrong with us, why we don't want to hear from our elders and say, how did that work? And what was your experience? Because I want to know. We walking around like, I got this. Okay, why not just check with somebody that has been there already? I don't know. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus initially accepts us as we are, but he will also subsequently empower us to become what we ought to be. We must teach people not only how to profess their faith, but how to practice their faith. Your modest apparel silently, listen to this carefully, your modest apparel silently tells the world what tells the world that you live to glorify God and not yourself. Your modest apparel tells people without you opening your mouth that I live to glorify God and not myself. <laughs> Clothing is very significant in scripture. Clothing for modesty's sake was instituted by God. Remember Genesis 3, 21, unto Adam also unto his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they use? Leaves to cover their private parts. Leaves. Remember leaves only cover just that area. Leaves only can cover the area. When the Lord finally came by, and took care of business, the Lord killed an animal and clothed them with a coat. Anyone know the difference between a coat and a jacket? You, you, you know the difference? That a jacket comes to, you know, somewhere about the waist and the coat go all the way down? Well, he put a coat on them. They put leaves on them. 
<laughs> is that telling you something about the Lord? Nakedness is a mark of shame. Ezekiel 16:39, and I will also give thee into their hand, and they shall throw down thine eminent place and shall break down thy high places. They shall strip thee also of thy clothes and shall take thy fair jewels and leave thee naked and bare. Luke 8, 27. And when he went forth to the land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had had devils long time and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in tombs. I don't know if you remember that guy. Jesus was concerned about external covering as well as internal deliverance. Mark 5, 15. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid that crazy person, that demons was just just working in his life. When the Lord delivered him, he was clothed now in his right mind and he had clothes on. Clothing is used to indicate a negative spiritual state. Uh, the wearing of proper clothing is commanded by God. First Timothy two and nine in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. And we know that improper clothing displeases the Lord. How can you say that preacher? Matthew twenty two eleven. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, friend, how comest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? Question mark. And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servant, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God care about your clothing. Uh huh. Those improperly dressed were prohibited from the king's presence. Look at Esther 4 and 2. And came even before the king's gate. For none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. A change of clothing was required to be in royal presence or in God's presence. Esther 5 and 1. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. Uh, clothing was used to indicate the blessing of a king, Esther 6 and 9, and let this apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes that they may array the man with all whom the king delighted to honor and bring him on horseback through the street of the city and proclaim before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighted to honor. And that's in Esther 6 and 9. A king's glory was evidenced by the clothing of his servant. <laughs> I like that one. This is a big one. A king's glory 
was evidenced by the clothing of his servants. Are you a servant of the king? <laughs> I'm almost done. I'm going just a tad bit over tonight just to finish up this right here. So if the king's glory was evidenced by the clothing of his servants, guess what? Second Chronicles 9 and 4. And the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel, his cupbearers also and their apparel and his accent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. So it's telling you all that is associated with the king. They wear nice things. <laughs> All right. Clothing is indicative of a repentant attitude. Clothing is used as a type of spirituality. Mm -hmm. Clothing is the identifiable mark of the redeem in eternity. Revelations four and four and round about the throne were four and twenty seats. Upon the seats, I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white remnant. And they had on their, their heads crowns of gold. So when we get to heaven, we will get a crown with gold and we will be wearing apparel that this world ain't never seen. So the bottom line is, if Jesus Christ is your king, he expects for his servants to look the part. You can't be a servant and don't look the part. You got to look the part if you are his servant. <laughs> and I'm closing. Principles of Christian apparel, dress and appearance are important indicator of Christian character. The call to dress modestly has echoed throughout the biblical and Christian history, but it is especially relevant today when modesty and decency are out and nudity and sensuality are in. Clothes and appearance are our most powerful nonverbal communicators. Those of you that know anything about communication, they say, either you might know what the statistics is on this, but they said, I think it's 60% of all communication is nonverbal. 60, it might be higher now, you all can Google it. But the last time I checked, it was 60%. So it means 60% of the times you are communicating without speaking. 60% of the times you're communicating without speaking. That means body language and what you're wearing. Don't quiet on me. Clothes and appearance are, are our most powerful nonverbal communicators, not only of our socioeconomic status, but also of our moral values. We are or soon become what we wear. Our outward appearance is a visible and silent testimony of our Christian values. Some people dress to be admired, pleasing themselves. 
other people dressed to be accepted, pleasing others. Christians, however, dress to glorify God. When are we going to get that? That Christians dress to glorify God. I'll hit you one more time before we go. If you are a nice, submissive, loving wife, guess what? When you get dressed, because since you have that innate, <laughs> Sister Scarlett, I'm getting them. Since you have that innate thing in you that want to be looked upon, that want to be touched, okay? You are married now. Do you get dressed and say, honey, look at me? Honey, what you think? What you think? And let me tell you something. It is supposed to be like that. You know why I know? Because I got a daughter. And that's the way God intended for it to be. When they are little, they go to their daddy and say, daddy, what you think? And I already trained her what I like. So now when she pick out her shoes, whatever she pick out, she's thinking, daddy. Does he like this? Same thing for the wife and same thing for the church. Let's stand. Let's stand. Oh, my God. Help us. It's not really difficult. We can make it difficult because it's not something we want to do. But it's not really difficult. We are God's children. We are his bride. We are his church. And he's calling us to holiness. If we're going to do it right, let's just do it right. I started out by saying, let's not just take in information. Let's make sure whatever God speaks into our heart tonight, it, some of it may have been uncomfortable. I understand we've all been there. If you've been in church any amount of time, that preaches truth. Because when you are in church that preaches the word of God, preaches truth, you're going to get convicted. You're probably not going to like what I'm saying sometimes. You're probably going to try to justify what I'm saying. But you need to thank God that you're in a place that you're hearing that kind of preaching. Because when you're in a place that all the preaching make you feel good and make you feel like you're doing right, you're in trouble. Because I know I'm not doing right all the time. So I don't want to be in no place. And trust me, as the, as the vessel that's getting out this message, I'm uncomfortable sometimes. Woo! I'm uncomfortable. I can study all I want to bring the word of God to you. And when I get in this pulpit, God will allow me to say things that's going to cut me and challenge me and make me uncomfortable. Because the word of God is a two-edged sword. Anybody going to be holy tonight? Anybody going to leave out of here and says, I can be better in, in my way of being holy in this area, in that area, and I need to start doing it. Don't let the devil mess with you to make you feel like, why you got to do that? Why you got to listen to that? I'm hearing you. Don't let the devil get you in a corner and tell you that's not that. Why are you listening to that? Because. A lot of times we want to, we know we're supposed to make the change and and do it. But here is what we wrestle with. Then everybody's going to know that I changed. You're worried about making the change because people are going to see it visibly that you made a change. And so you're worried about looking like, okay, well, everybody's going to know. And the Lord wants you to know 
change no matter what. Because the devil's job is to always make you feel guilty. Guilt. God convicts you. The devil make you feel guilty. And, and, and he also make you feel condemned. He visited Eve and got her all twisted up. Don't let the devil twist you up. We have too many examples of how the devil can twist us up. Don't let him twist you up. Don't let him twist you up. So let's go before the Lord tonight and ask God to help us. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Your word, O oh God, is true. For you are the way, the truth, and the life, Lord God. And oh my God, help us. Lord, you have touched us in the area of where our pride lies. You've touched us in the area where, Lord God, we feel like it's our right to do what we want. But oh my God, will you continue to minister to us even now that we will realize the day we determined that we're going to surrender our life to you, the day that we decided that we will give ourselves to you, that we will repent of our sins and be born again through water baptism and being filled with your spirit, the day that we surrendered to you, Lord God, we made a decision, almighty God, oh, Father, to obey you. We made a decision, Lord God, to obey your teaching, your instructions. And so tonight, Lord God, I pray that faith will help us, Lord God, to execute, to, 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 to take hold of a lifestyle of holiness, Lord God, to not allow pride, Almighty God, to not allow, oh God, our stubborn ways and our ways of being for so long and not allow it to overtake us, Lord God. The things that have us bound, Lord God, the strongholds that have us, oh God, bound, will you set us free tonight, Lord God? Somebody needs to be free tonight. And I pray in the name of Jesus, uh, by the authority of the Word of God uh, and the power of the name of Jesus, uh, that somebody will be free tonight, uh, that somebody will be delivered tonight by the power from on high, Jesus the Christ, uh, that somebody will be free, Almighty God, uh, and no longer be bound uh, by their pride, uh, no longer be bound, Almighty God, uh, by their way of doing things, uh, no longer be bound uh, by excuses, uh, and oh God, be bound by their tradition. But I pray in the name of Jesus that you will set them free tonight and they will walk in liberty and they will walk in authority and they will walk in the love of Jesus Christ. Oh God, not allowing themselves to be guilted or being condemned by Satan. But I pray tonight in the name of Jesus that they will be free and they will be liberated and that holiness oh God will be in their heart it will come on the outside in how they present themselves oh God I pray tonight Lord that we will be a people that are holy Lord God we want the power of God to be manifested among us and we know Lord God if we are holy there will be a move of your spirit among us that will be so extraordinary and supernatural we want to be holy Will you help us tonight, Lord God, that we will walk out of this place changed, never to be the same.
In the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you and we will love you in obedience. And we will love you, Lord God, by doing exceeding and abundant, Lord. Going above and beyond because we love you. Because you went above and beyond when you left out of heaven and came to this earth, Lord God. So tonight, Lord God, we declare unto you, we will go above and beyond to be a holy people. We will go above and beyond to live holy and to be free in Jesus. We we will do it, Lord God. You have done it all for us. And we will give you our all. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's love him. Let's love him. If you love the Lord tonight, give him a hand clap of praise. If you love the Lord tonight, let him know whatever he wants from you, you will give it to him. Because he's the love of your life. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. <laughs> oh, there's something about the people when they decide we're going to be holy, Lord. We want to obey you, Lord. We want to be your example, oh God. There's something about being holy. There's something about holiness that we can't explain, that we don't always understand. But when we do it, God shows up. God moves when we do it. When we do it from the... From the depths of our soul, when we do it in obedience with the Spirit and the Word, God shows up. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hey, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, God, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. There is none like you, Jesus. None like you, Jesus. None like you, Jesus. Oh, God. Yes, we will be holy. Yes, we will be holy. Yes, we will be holy. Holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. We will be holy, oh God. Ah, something is happening. Something is happening. Something is happening. Something is happening. Jesus is up to something, church. It's not just right here. Jesus is up to something. Position yourself. Submit yourself to Him. Be holy. Sanctify yourself. Live holy. Be holy. And God will do something miraculously in you. He's up to something. He's going to do something in this church. He's going to do something in this church. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. Don't run. I don't want you to run. Don't run because you hear me teaching about holiness. I love you. And I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to hold your hand the best way I can to help you be holy and to get where God wants you to get. I will not teach this and not teach it out of love and not teach it out of obedience to the Lord. Believe me, I'm going to teach this out of obedience and love. 
God is up to something. God is doing something. Even if you're not in agreement with what I'm teaching right now, don't walk away. Just hold on. Just hold on. Just hold on. Just hold on. Because you will make it. You will get there. God's going to bring you through. Just hold on. Hallelujah. Hey. Hey. God bless you. I love you. Have a wonderful evening. Ah. Have your way, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Have your way, Lord. Just sing out in the spirit. Oh, yes, God.